Hello and welcome to The Quiz Kids from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Quiz Kids, and look who's back at Teacher's Desk today. It's the Chief Quiz Mistress herself, whom you all know as Aunt Fanny of the Breakfast Club and the Fran of Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, Fran Allison. Well, hello, everyone, and hi, Quiz Kids. You know, today's the most exciting day of the whole year in our Quiz Kids classroom because this is the day when we announce the winners in the sixth annual Quiz Kids Best Teacher Contest. Dr. Paul A. Whitty, professor of education at Northwestern University, is here to make the announcement, and we'll hear the thrilling news just a little later in the program. We have a couple of other guests, too, so let's get right down to business. And your first question, who cut Samson's hair? Now, while you're thinking that over, let's have roll call. Pat? I am Patrick Owen Conlon. I'm 14 years old and a 1A at Calumet High School in Chicago. Lonnie? I'm Lonnie Lundy. I'm 15 years old, and in the fall, I'll be a junior at Main Township High School in Park Ridge, Illinois. Mike? I'm Mike Mull. I'm 13 years old in the 8th grade at the University of Chicago Laboratory School. Naomi? I'm Naomi Cooks. I'm 13 years old and in 1B at Roosevelt High School in Chicago. And in the half-pint <coughs> department, Harvey? I'm Harvey Deitch. I'm 7 years old. I go to school, and I'm in grade 3A. All right. And now let's see whose hand was up on the first question. Who cut Samson's hair? And I believe I saw Pat. Well, uh, I don't know. It sort of caught me all back. I imagine it would be Delilah who cut Samson's hair. I know that was the story. He, uh, she tricked him into admitting uh, that his strength lie, lay, lay in his hair. And uh, so I think she cut it and then turned him over to the Philistine soldiers. Uh, is there another idea uh, in the panel on this particular issue? Pat? This couldn't by any chance be a trick question of some kind, could it? Oh, I would just hate to put it that way. It might be. No, it's actually an information question. Naomi? Well, if it was a trick question, isn't there a Samson character in Lil Abner? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, now, there may be. I'm just not too well informed on that, Naomi. <laughs> but uh, uh, actually, uh, the person who cut Samson's hair was not identified. Uh, the act was arranged for by Delilah, but uh, the person who did the uh, actual cutting was not identified by name. All right, on to the second question. Now, 
I'm just going to give you the location of a series of victories and see if you can identify the conqueror who accomplished each of these series. And here is the first. Austerlitz, Jena, and Auerstadt. Lonnie? Well, let's see, that was in the early 19th century. I believe that was Napoleon. Napoleon Bonaparte is the correct answer. Thank you very much. Now let's go on to this one. How about this series? Boston, New York, Washington, Philadelphia, and Cleveland. Pat? Well, now that might be the Chicago White Sox on their uh, long winning streaks. have been top <laughs> <lately. laughs> And let us all remember that with a kindly thought. Shall we, Pat? Yes, I think we are, too. <laughs> now, suppose you were a clerk in a department store and were selling sweaters. What type of sweater would you consider most appropriate to sell to, first, a collection of amphibians? Pat? Turtleneck. A turtleneck sweater is right. Uh, how about a motorcycle officer? A motorcycle officer. Mike? Isn't it some sort of cop sweater? <laughs> well, you're on the right track, I'll say that. <laughs> Naomi? Well, when you're speeding and the motorcycle officer comes up alongside your car, he always says, pull over. And That's exactly it would be a pull over sweater. <laughs> <laughs> Naomi, have you had any such experience? Well, I don't drive, but I could mention a few people. Well, you know, we hear quite a bit these days about planes being jet propelled. But what creatures in nature move about using that same principle of power? Mike? I believe uh, that would be the squid family, uh, squids and cuttlefishes. Uh, they take uh, in water and uh, then squeeze their bodies together and uh, the water being expelled shoots them uh, backward. Actually, uh, they do most of their uh, just little moving around by uh, wavy-like fins along their sides, but when they're in a hurry, they use this jet propulsion method. That is, that is so right. Thank <laughs> you very much. Harvey, had well, you I'd like idea? to add a little something to that. All right. It, well, it, it, has, it has a heart. For each skill it has. That's and right. So therefore, it makes it extra powerful when it shoots through the water. Well, you're very right, and thank <laughs> you very much for that very interesting addition. <laughs> now, here's an imaginative question that requires the help of our sound effects man. Each of these sounds should suggest the name of a famous university. Can you identify it? And here is the first sound. Pat? Well, that'll be Yale. There's the Yale Law Company, I think. That is right. It's very good sounding. Now, the second. All right. Lonnie? Well, I don't know. That sounds like a train, though, to me. So it might I... be what, uh, what university would you, would you associate with that sound? Or might you arrive at from hearing that sound? Or maybe you'll think, because there are a couple of possibilities. Pat? California Railroad, maybe. Her. Well, if there, if there is such, I guess there certainly <laughs> well, is. Well, yeah, I know there is. Well, we can always tell that there was. Anyway, is there well, another idea? You're thinking of something else. <laughs> Pretty close to you. Lonnie? Oh, well, if it's close to me, that's not what I was thinking of. This is awfully far-fetched, but that's a choo-choo, which would lead you to think of the University of Chattanooga. 
Well, all right. That's that's a good thought. I never would have gotten there, but Naomi? Well, uh, it could be any college. You go to college to be trained. Oh, <laughs> Naomi, how you reach for that one. That's very good. Mike? Well, it could be, uh, I think it's South Carolina, because they had a football player called Choo Choo, Choo, Choo Justice. Choo -choo. Oh, that's right. All right, Pat, another well, Choo Choo Justice, I think, was in North Carolina, but North of course Carolina. that could be, too. Well, we could, we could uh, just a little bit north of South Carolina. <laughs> How about that? Lonnie? Well, I think it would be Northwest. No, oh, thank you, Lonnie. Thank you. <laughs> now, kids, you're really going to be challenged on this next question. And the challenger is 16-year-old George Fredrickson, who is the 1951 winner of the Minneapolis Star's Program of Information on World Affairs Contest. George had the highest score out of over 10,000 pupils, so he should be up on his current world history. George, let's hear how you're going to try to stump the quiz kids. Miss Allison, I picked the three of the questions on the final test that I found to be the hardest to answer. And I'd like to hear how well the quiz kids do with them. Well, all right, George, you go right ahead. Well, the first one I'm going to ask is this. Uh, which of the following is not a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? Dwight D. Eisenhower, Forrest Sherman, J. Lawton Collins, Omar N. Bradley, and Hoyt S. Vandenberg. Lonnie? Well, that'd be the Dwight Eisenhower. Correct. Now, the second question is, uh, President Truman ordered work to continue on the so-called H-bomb thought to consist essentially of heavy hydrogen, also known as which of the following? Deuterium, argon, tellurium, krypton, radon. Pat? I think that was deuterium was uh, That's correct. heavy hydrogen. And the final question that I have here is, uh, Chairman of the S Senate inquiry into American Far East policy and General MacArthur's dismissal is which of the following? <clears throat> Henry Cabot Lodge, Robert A. Taft, Brian McMahon, J. William Fulbright, and Richard B. Russell. Pat? Well, I vaguely remember something. I think it would be Senator Russell. That's correct. <laughs> George, you're not only a good winner, but a good quizzer. And now I know, as winner, that you're on your way to New York, Lake Success, and Washington, and have a very good trip. Now, on this next question, I'm just going to give you the names of three states. See if you can give me an expression that includes the nickname of each state. First, Oklahoma. Lonnie? Well, the nickname of the state is the Sooner State. All right, do you think of an expression using well, that word? Well, a lot of people say often sooner or later. It's sooner or later is right. Mike? Better sooner than later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's very true. All right. Now for the second one, Utah. Pat? Well, I think that's something to do with salt. Uh, salt Lake City. Well, of course, Salt Lake City is there, and there's much to do with salt there, but that's not the answer I want. Do you happen to know the nickname for that state? Well, then I must tell you, it is the Beehive State. So an expression uh, using that word, Naomi. You were stunned. <laughs> <laughs> well, you haven't used the word beehive, Lonnie. Well, a busy room is referred to as a beehive. The busy is a beehive, that's right. All right, and now Texas. Lonnie? Well, that's the Lone Star State. The Lone Star State. So an expression uh, involving that, that particular term might be what? 
Harvey thinks of one. Like maybe, well, it might be. It's kind of far-fetched. My lucky star. My lucky star is very good. <laughs> That's right. Thank you very much. You know, if we wanted to make a bad pun, we might say that composers were men of note. But we're going to give you just a few notes as a clue to a famous composer and see if you can identify him. Miss Westbrook? Lonnie? Oh, the notes are D-E-A-F. That might be Beethoven or Schmettner, both of which were deaf. It might very well be either of them. That's very good, Lonnie. And now, here's your clue to the second composer. Lonnie? Well, that's A-G-E-D, meaning aged. Well, that, that could be a lot of people who have lived a long time. Uh, well, let's see, Saint-Saëns lived a long time, so did Verdi. Verdi, yes. That's exactly the answer I wanted, and I thank you very much. And now, how about this one? Lonnie? Well, the notes are B-E-E. -E. All right. There are a couple of possibilities. Lonnie? Well, of course, they're the first three letters in the name of Beethoven, which doesn't make too much sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want uh, an association with, with the word spelled by the particular note. Someone else? Mike, did you have an idea? I was going to say the same thing. I see. Lonnie, did you think of Well, there's a couple of compositions with a B in it. There's the B by Schubert, not the famous Franz That's Schubert, right. but another one, and also Flight of the Bumblebee by Rimsky-Korsakoff. That is exactly right, and those are the answers I wanted. Thank you. Well, now that big moment has arrived. It's time to hear all about who won in the sixth annual Quiz Kids Best Teacher Contest. The scholarship committee, which includes Dr. Willard Olson, Professor of Education at the University of Michigan, the Reverend Dr. Philip S. Moore, Dean of the Graduate School at Notre Dame University, and our guest this afternoon, Dr. Paul A. Whitty, has been busy since last February when the contest closed, reading the thousands of entries sent in by students all over the country, nominating their favorite teachers for this great honor. The scholarship committee tells me there were so many excellent letters, it was difficult reaching a final decision. These letters are a wonderful tribute to the fine men and women in the teaching profession, and we're happy to give them the recognition they deserve through the Best Teacher Contest. And now, here is the chairman of the scholarship committee to announce the winners, Dr. Whitty of Northwestern University. Dr. Whitty. Thank you very much, Miss Allison. I am pleased indeed to announce the winners of the Quiz Kids Best Teacher Contest of 1951. This contest was originated six years ago, and since that time, Educators throughout our country have been enthusiastic in acclaiming its far-reaching and desirable effects. The contest has brought about the recognition of the unusually effective work of thousands of excellent teachers scattered throughout America in every state and city. It has given a number of splendid teachers an opportunity to, con to continue their graduate study or to engage in research and investigation. That the effects of the contest have been desirable is shown by the enviable record and the outstanding accomplishment of the winners. Most important of all, perhaps, is the revelation this contest has afforded 
of the characteristics of superior teachers. Each year, pupils express their gratitude to teachers who are cooperative and truly democratic in their behavior in the classroom, teachers who are interested in the personal problems of their students and are willing to give the time and the effort necessary to help each pupil in accord with his particular needs. As one pupil remarked, she's the best teacher in the world. She helped me over so many bumps. And another said, I feel pounds lighter when I go into his room. Another wrote, her room is filled with the golden sunshine of equality. It was not easy, you can see, to select a winner from the thousands of good letters submitted this year. However, after study of the letters and patient, patient investigation of the candidates, the scholarship committee was able to select two outstanding teachers for awards. We are pleased to present first as the best teacher of 1951, Sister Mary Edward of Dubuque, Iowa. Larna Butters, age 13, described her as a teacher who came like a cool breeze in a torrid summer, a person who combines fun, variety, and a little psychology in our classes. As the most promising teacher, the committee presents Miss Virginia Luce, a second grade teacher of Norwood, Ohio, who was nominated by Linda McKinley, who said, we have hamsters, goldfish, and flowers in our room, but the best thing we have is Miss Luce and her nice manner. I think she looks like Mother. Mother says she doesn't really. It's just that I love her the same way. Both of these fine teachers will visit this program next Sunday, along with the children who nominated them, so that you can meet them here. The awards to the best teacher and to the most promising teacher provide $2,000 to each person to be used in furthering his education. These awards were made possible through the cooperation of the Miles Laboratories of Elkhart, Indiana, the makers of Alka-Seltzer. There are other awards, too. Norman E. Hunt of Hartford, Connecticut, and Ann Payton of Newcastle, Pennsylvania, have been given a two-week all-expense expe trip to Lima, Peru, in South America, on Braniff Airlines. The names of the 550 children who won awards, additional awards, were announced in newspapers this week. They will receive their awards through local NBC stations. Ms. Allison, I speak for the committee when I tell you it is a great pleasure to present these wonderful teachers and the children who nominated them to you for awards. Sure it is, Dr. Whitty. Thank you so much. <coughs> Well, kids, Aunt Fanny's back with us this week, and she wanted to know if she could do a few <coughs> informal imitations. Now, I hope she won't get all confused because Aunt Fanny is going to imitate other ants. So let's see what you can do with the first one, Aunt Fanny. Well, okay, kids. Now, the first ant I'm going to do is a fictional ant, and here I go. Well, I tell you, I am just not going to stay here one minute longer. I don't mind being took advantage of, but being completely deceived. Deceived? Oh, that child. Well, if it could be named after me, I wouldn't mind so much, but it's a boy. Oh, well, I'm, I'm just going. Goodbye. <laughs> well, who would it be? Pat? Well, I think that was David, David Copperfield's Aunt Betsy. That's exactly who it was, Fanny. Fanny, you did very well. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now... For your second imitation. 
Oh, that poor child. That poor, poor child. You know, he wasn't so bad. In fact, he was really a good boy when you come right down to it. I should have been nicer. I feel real bad about it. There he is at the bottom of the river, and I probably drove him to it. It's all my fault. Well, Aunt Fanny, don't feel so bad. Because <laughs> it was only in fiction. Kids, who was it? I think Naomi was first. Well, I think that was Tom Sawyer's Aunt Polly, I think her Aunt name Polly, was. Aunt Polly, yes. That's exactly right. And thank you very much. Aunt... <laughs> Aunt Fanny sounds just like me today. <laughs> well, this sounds like a mixed-up anatomy question to me. See if you can figure it out. Where would you find an eye in the nose? Harvey? Well, I think you, that would be the television camera in the nose of a plane. And this plane zooms back into enemy territory and flashes the latest developments in the war or more, from, to more than... 200 miles away to the R headquarters. You're exactly right, Harvey. Could you explain a little bit of the principle of how this is possible? Well, the, the television camera is mounted in the nose of the plane. Yes. And I'm not sure, but I think airwaves carry the uh, view back to the arm lines. I think you're just wonderful, Harvey. <laughs> you're just amazing. <laughs> Kids, if my friend Ollie, whom I see most every night on television, had nominated his teacher for the Best Teacher Award, he might have described her by using the symbols of the chemical elements, copper and tellurium. And would that be good or bad? I think Lonnie was... Well, the symbols for copper and tellurium are C-U and T-E. Well, <laughs> I almost think that would be kind of bad. Oh, do you? <laughs> well, for Ollie, knowing Ollie is... <laughs> <laughs> Naomi? Well, I didn't know they had female teachers at Dragon Prep. <laughs> well, uh, he's had a very uh, diversified school career, so he may have attended some place that I don't know exactly about. But I think that he might very well have used that phrase because you know one of his favorite phrases? He talks with someone he likes. Pat? Hello, QT. Hello, QT. Why, sure. <laughs> All right. Now, the next question will be asked by 15-year-old Sheila Shepard of Birmingham, England. Sheila is representative of all the war orphans that the Foster Parents Plan had been helping. And she's here to greet the city that adopted her two years ago and help in Chicago's fundraising campaign. Sheila, let's hear the question you have for the quiz kids. Well, my question is about something we learn in our schools. And I wonder if the American children learn the same things. If you were to visit Robinson Crusoe's island, the island that the Swiss family Robinson visited, and Stevenson's treasure island, sailing westward from England, which island would you reach first? All right. Would you, uh, would you like me to repeat the question? If you were to visit Robinson Crusoe's island, the island that the Swiss family Robinson visited, and Stevenson's treasure island, sailing westward from England, which island would you reach first, Naomi? Well, I'm not sure. Would it be the Canary Islands? Well, I'm speaking of the, of the three islands named. These are the three islands you are to oh. visit sailing westward from England. At which one uh, would you arrive first, Pat? Well, I'm a little rusty. I mean, I'd 
geography. This is purely a guess. I think it would probably be treasure, the uh, Treasure Island. Treasure Robert Island. It might well be. Lonnie, had you another idea? Well, I, I was thinking it would be the Swiss Family Robinson's Island, but I'm not sure of that. I, I would say Treasure Island would be my last choice. Uh, well, just a minute. Now, Lonnie, would, would you like to go on, uh, Pat, and, and, uh, and uh, outline our trip and where we would arrive? Well, I, uh, I'm afraid I couldn't help you out much there because uh, I uh, don't believe it was ever established there was such a place as Robinson Crusoe's Island. Yes, the, it is identified as being a certain place. So you are right. It might very well be Treasure Island or uh, Lonnie. Well, I believe in Treasure Island that it says that it keeps back the bearings of the island which would not actually identify where it is. Well, it was in the... It, but it was uh, uh, identified as being in the region of the West Indies because they went on from there to the coast of, of Mexico, I believe. And then Robinson Crusoe's Island would be second because it was on the northwest coast of South America near the mouth of the Orinoco River. So it might be a question as to which of the two uh, you would arrive at first that either might be c considered a correct answer. And that, by process of elimination, leaves you what? <laughs> Swiss Family Robinson. <laughs> Which was uh, located as being where? Do you know, Naomi? Well, I don't know where it was, but I know it was way off the regular trade route. That's why they weren't found right That away. is right. And by a, a process of finding out the kind of animals found there and the kind of products, you might consider it to be where mice? Well, uh, I think uh, since they found a kangaroo there, that would be near Australia or New Zealand. It might very well. Thank you very much, Mike. Well, Sheila, you did a very good job of asking that question. And in behalf of Joe Kelly, I would like to give you this pin, which makes you an honorary quiz kid. There you are, Sheila. Thank you very much. Thank you. You know, folks, Sheila lost everything when her home was bombed. And she represents the more than 60,000 war children of different, 14 different nationalities who have been cared for by the Foster Parents Plan, a non-sectarian, non-political international charity. Now, if you would like to adopt a child, it costs only $15 a month. So send your contributions or write for more information to Foster Parents Plan for War Children Incorporated, 134 North LaSalle Street, Chicago 2, Illinois. Now, I know I don't have to tell you kids that some schools are out for the summer and others will be closing soon. And I'll bet many thoughts go running through your heads as you sit in your classrooms. Can you express some of these thoughts in song titles? Lonnie? Uh, the Prisoner's Song. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might, but you're so close to release. Naomi? Uh, don't fence me in. Open the door. Yes. Uh, Pat? Well, there's Open Road from the Gypsy Baron. <laughs> All right. Any, any other ones that come to your mind? Maybe, maybe you have some vacation plans that might be, uh, Placed in a song titled Pat. Oh, this is kind of far-fetched. Only a bird in a gilded cage. <laughs> <laughs> is that how you felt all year, Pat? Well, not in a gilded cage, especially. But <laughs> Lonnie? Well, I keep waiting for summertime. Yes. That's very good. Pat? Well, in that order, it's just summertime uh, by Gershwin. Yes. And uh, I, is that what you had in yeah. mind, Lonnie? Yeah. I, I think you were phrasing it in a sentence. And uh, for your summer, any summer uh, diversion that you have, I'm thinking of one, Pat, for you. <laughs> what would it be? 
Well, probably be taking Nell to the ball That's game. That's right. You didn't disappoint me, Naomi. <laughs> well, if the school is up on a hill down in the valley. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, Naomi. I like that very much. Lonnie? Well, on the same order as Pat's, gone fishing. <laughs> Harvey? Well, this is kind of far-fetched. But uh, but for my planes organization, I'm going to ride horses so the donkey serenade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're going to ride horses, I would say that was a little far-fetched, but I still like it. Well, if he's going to ride horses, he might sing horses, horses, crazy about horses. Yes, you know. right, do that. Well, does that wind up our, our musical inspiration for the time? Well, there's the bell, children, and that means that school is over for today. I see the judges are busy adding up the scores, and while they're doing that, I want to remind all you listeners that there are children in your area who have also won prizes in the Quiz Kids Best Teacher Contest, and they'll receive their prizes through your local NBC station. And we wish the runners-up, Miss Peyton and Mr. Hunt, a most pleasant trip on Braniff Airways to Peru. Then on next Sunday's Quiz Kids program, Sister Mary Edwards, the best teacher of the year, and Miss Virginia Luce, the most promising teacher of the year, will both be here in class with us, and maybe we can persuade them to try their hands at being Chief Quizzer, too. I know you'll enjoy meeting these two wonderful teachers, so be sure to listen in. And now, let's look at today's report card. And remember, Quiz Kids, whether you win or lose, you each receive a United States savings bond for your future education. Now, as a class, you children missed one question this evening. Individually, Lonnie was first, Pat was second, and Naomi third. So we will see you three back in school next Sunday to compete with Joel Kupperman and Frankie Vanderplug. I hope all you listeners will be back with us, too. So until next Sunday at this same time, this is Fran Allison dismissing the quiz kids Goodbye, kids. Bye, 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 bye Listen to the Quiz Kids coast to coast every Sunday. Hear the Quiz Kids television program on NBC. Consult your local newspaper for the time and station. Dick Noble speaking. Quiz Kids is a Lewis G. Cowan.